and how this decision lands will have a big impact on a group in our province uh, that has been faced with a lot of hate, violent protests, and really, I, I think, needs a lot of attention. And that is the 2S LGBTQ plus youth. We're talking about it right now with a couple of guests. We have professor in the Department of General Management and Human Resources and Department of Psychology at Mount Royal University, Dr. Leah Hamilton, joining the show. Dr. Hamilton, thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having us this afternoon, Chelsea. We also have Dr. Corinne Mason, Associate Professor in Women's and Gender Studies, also at Mount Royal University. Dr. Mason, you're there as well. I am. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks so much, both of you, for weighing in on this, because I think that this needs to be it needs to be talked about. I mean, June is Pride Month. So, you know, that's that's right around the corner. Obviously, I think it's a great opportunity to talk about some of the issues facing this group. But let's just kind of start with talking about some of the hate and discrimination that 2S LGBTQ plus youth are facing every day. Let's uh, start, Dr. Dr. Hamilton, with you. This is not just anecdotal. I mean, this is real hate that these that these youth are experiencing. Yeah, so we do know that there's evidence suggesting that since 2019, hate crimes targeting sexual orientation have risen a lot in Canada. Um, so since 2020, there's been a rise of at least 64%. We've also seen some more targeted hate locally. We've seen protests at Reading with Royalty events and other um, drag time story events for youth. Yeah, and I think what we've also seen is um, a rise in conversations and, and also pushes for book bans, so banning books that feature LGBTQ characters or that call attention to diversity of all kinds. And these have been really kind of flashpoints um, that have made it to media, but these are kind of ongoing, everyday experiences um, of people in the 2S LGBTQ community, especially youth that are facing in this moment. And I think what's so important to talk about is that the, the folks who are facing this kind of violence and all the kind of hateful rhetoric are also the people who are too young to vote and this election is really going to impact them. Um, you talked, Dr. Hamilton, about how this is sort of ongoing hate and ongoing discrimination. Has there been an uptick recently? Because as you mentioned, there have been some stories that have come through in the media. And I think about, you know, uh, drag story time being a big lightning rod conversation lately. Dr. Mason, has there been an increase in these violent and hateful events? Yeah, so there's early evidence to suggest that um, just from like up into 2021, this is kind of the statistics we're working with right now, we've seen a 30% uptick in um, in hateful and, and violent um, acts, including harassment and assault. And so anecdotally, what we've seen in the Alberta context, but of course, across Canada, across North America, we're seeing more and more protests at Drag Queen Storytime events. And we're seeing, um, actually right now, we're seeing calls um, in this in this online space where hateful rhetoric is really ramped up and right-wing extremism um, to target June, to target Pride Month. And people are kind of ramping up this, this hateful rhetoric um, around calls to quote-unquote take back June um, from the 2S LGBT community. And so, yeah, this is a really important time to talk about not just what's going to happen in the election, but what folks are facing as we enter into Pride Month, which of course for folks like myself in the community should be a time of both celebration about reflection on on where we've been, where um, how 
far we've come and how much further there is to go, but we need to do that work um, where we can be together safely, especially where youth can be together um, with one another in prideful ways, where they can uh, expect to be in loving, affirming, and safe spaces with their community. The idea of taking back June honestly comes as a huge shock to me. Like that, that is disgusting because I would love for it to be just this blanket statement of look how far we've come. And it's shocking to me that in 2023, we're having this conversation of taking back June. How did we get here, Dr. Mason? This is a really interesting question. So folks who do research on right-wing extremism can chart this in like multiple ways, but really from 2016 on, it's, it's unsurprising, I think, with the, um, the election in the United States of Donald Trump and the ways in which particular kinds of hateful rhetoric around all kinds of difference have been emboldened and bolstered by uh, government representatives. And we're seeing this kind of trickle up from the United States into the Canadian context, not to say this hate hasn't always been here and has been, but it had been very covert, very coded, very underground. Um, and now folks are saying the quiet stuff out loud. And so the hate is not new, but it is becoming more explicit. People are, are emboldened, I think, to take their hate offline and into the streets um, and are acting on hateful rhetoric because of misinformation, disinformation, and the ways in which conspiratorial thinking that have um, that has been um, really like connected to right-wing extremism has been mainstream. So we're seeing it in all kinds of mainstream spaces where you have, let's say, a grandmother who comes to a board of education, which just happened this week at Brandon, Manitoba, to talk about the acceptability of particular books in uh, the school context. And that person might not know that they're actually propagating um, or, or disseminating hateful rhetoric from right-wing extremists, including white supremacists, but that's the work that they're doing in those places as they think they're protecting children um, when, in fact, they're actually harming you. Yeah. Dr. Hamilton, you mentioned that, you know, this is a, this is a group um, that's too young to vote. And I think that that's really interesting because, you know, that's a major reason why likely this hasn't been something that we've seen talked about much in this campaign. Has this been anything that you've that you've noticed, touched upon with any platform? Yeah, um, well, we, we can certainly speak to that. And I think it is important to note that Alberta has high gender diversity. So in Canada, there's about 1 million people who are 2SLGBTQ+, and about one-third of that population are, is under the age of 25. And so in Alberta, um, if you don't identify as 2SLGBTQ+, then you probably know someone who does. They're probably a young person, and they can't vote. And so that's why it's really important for voters to pay attention to what the platforms look like. Um, so I can talk a little bit about the NDP specifically. Um, yeah, I want I want to kind of decipher, you know, what which party has sort of said that they would move the needle forward or be an ally or have those conversations been happening? Have they not been happening? But we do have to take a very short break. So we'll come right back into this conversation. If you'll just bear with me and stick on the line for a few minutes, uh, our guests are Dr. Leah Hamilton, professor in the Department of General Management and Human Resources and Department of Psychology at Mount Royal University. Also with Mount Royal University, Associate Professor in Women's and Gender Studies, Dr. Corinne Mason, talking about how in the Alberta election, the stakes are high for two. US LGBTQ plus youth. We'll get back into it in three minutes.
Talking about in the upcoming Alberta election, the stakes are really high for two SLGBTQ plus youth. Our guests are Dr. Leah Hamilton and Dr. Corinne Mason, both with Mount Royal University. Uh, Dr. Hamilton, just before we went to break, uh, we were talking a little bit about each party's platform and how they propose to be or not be an ally to this group. Uh, you were going to start with the NDP and talk about some of the promises that they've made during this campaign. Can you expand on that? Sure, yes. So the NDP is really committed to restoring the rights of youth to form and join gay straight alliances, GSAs, with privacy protections in place, which is really important. They're also committed to expanding coverage for trans health care, and they've also made a firm commitment to developing an inclusive and affirming curriculum throughout the education system. I think this government also has a good track record when it comes to supporting 2SLGBTQ plus youth. So when Rachel Notley's government was in power, they did introduce and pass Bill 7, which amended the Alberta Human Rights Act to prohibit discrimination on the basis of gender identity and gender expression. And the last thing I want to say about this party is that representation is really important, um, especially for young people. They need to see themselves in positions of power. And uh, we think that Janice Irwin is incredible in this regard. I'll turn it over to Dr. Mason to talk about the UCP. So, yeah, the UCP, um, by contrast, has both a, like, a, a muddled uh, party platform when it comes to, to LGBTQ rights generally, but specifically for youth. And then also has, unlike the, the NDP, has a very um, uh, terrible t uh, track record on LGBTQ rights. And so the party platform for the UPC is really about recognizing some of the, the standard thresholds um, for, um, for queer and trans communities, like recognizing trans save remembrance or, you know, flying the pride flag. Um, but when it comes to what they're actually going to put into place or any of their kind of policies, um, there's not much there in the party platform to look to. But what we can look to is a resolution that was just passed by the UCP at their most recent AGM, which was Resolution 17. And Resolution 17 would roll back some of the protections for youth to FLGBTQ youth in the school context around privacy and confidentiality. Um, and really, um, I think it's, it's really kind of like a dog whistle to those who are promoting the idea that parents are, are losing their rights over children or that teachers um, are, uh, in, are uh, involving themselves in queer and trans um, youth lives in inappropriate ways. And the UCP track record, I think, contemporarily, we don't even have to look back. We can just look at this election right now. They've got two candidates, one who has resigned and one who's still in the running, who have uh, espoused um, transphobic rhetoric, explicitly yeah. transphobic rhetoric. Um, Jennifer Johnson, uh, who is continues to be a candidate, compared trans youth to feces, suggesting that uh, trans youth in schools were um, like putting poop in uh, cookie dough. And what Danielle Smith has said now, she's changed her mind a few times, um, is that this person won't have a place in her caucus, but she stopped short of um, asking this person to resign, and she has been unwilling under pressure, under questions by media and by community members to um, speak up for uh, for trans youth, and she's refused to do so. Um, and so this question of representation and leadership
leadership? What do we see, you know, at leadership levels of the UCP? What do we see from candidates? What kind of a caucus will be formed? And um, what are their plans for 2S LGBTQ youth? There's a lot of concern there. Yeah, and rightfully so. I mean, these are these are kids that should have every opportunity available to them in the world. Um, why is it so important, Dr. Hamilton, to have government support and to have a government as an ally for this group? Yeah, I think what we really want to get across here is that government recognition, government allies have a lot of value. Government allies are essential. We know that government policies and rhetoric impact public attitudes. What I mean by that is what our government officials say impact how the public feels about equity deserving groups including 2SLGBTQ plus youth. We've seen this with attitudes toward a variety of equity deserving groups. What the government says and does matter. If we have a government that supports 2SLGBTQ plus youth, this will impact the public support for policies. It will impact how 2SLGBTQ youth are treated in the healthcare system, in the education system, as they try to act services and programs in the community. This, these allies and recognition are very important. Dr. Hamilton, Dr. Mason, this is obviously something that is so important and, you know, we're really just on the precipice of what could be some really good and profound change or some really unnerving and unsettling times for this group. Thank you both so much for coming on and for explaining where we're at as a province and where we need to go. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Take care. Dr. Leah Hamilton is professor in the Department of General Management and Human Resources and Department of Psychology at Mount Royal University. Also at Mount Royal University, Associate Professor in Women's and Gender Studies, Dr. Corinne Mason, talking about what this election means for 2SLGBTQ plus youth in our province.